Hi, everyone, and welcome to an episode, another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and today we're sort of piggybacking on the interview from last week, and we're continuing with uh, a DPT student chat, so to speak. Um, and because of that, and in honor of another uh, DPT student episode, um, we I'm going to again run another contest through MedBridge for uh, one student to receive a yearly membership through MedBridge. So if you don't know MedBridge, you can go to medbridge.com and you can earn CEUs. Obviously, students don't have to worry about that yet, but they also have a great clinical reference library, over 500 orthopedic tests and manual therapy techniques with video with links to supported research. They have 3D animated conditions. So I think it might be a nice way for uh, students to kind of augment what they are already doing in their, uh, within their classroom settings. So all you have to do to be entered in to win the one-year membership is send me an email to karen at healthywealthysmart.com. In the title, just put MedBridge Contest. And do that by the 31st, Friday the 31st. I will pick a winner on Saturday the 1st, and the winner will be notified by, Med, by MedBridge. And they will hook you up with everything necessary to start your uh, one-year subscription to MedBridge. So again, you can send me an email to karen at healthywealthysmart.com with MedBridge contest in the title. Do that by Friday the 31st, and I will pick another winner. Um, <clears throat> on the 1st, and you will be notified by MedBridge and possibly by me. I'm not quite sure. Okay, so getting back to the program today, I'm very happy to have on the show Nathan Dugan. He is a second-year PT student right here in New York City at Columbia University, originally from um, Northeastern Ohio, where he uh, raced road bicycles competitively, competed in the Collegiate Road Nationals last year for Columbia. And today, we're going to talk about kind of how to experience life and have a life while in PT school. We're going to talk about some loan repayment options, which is a total bummer, and I know it stinks, but it's part of PT school. And um, so I'm really happy to have him on the show. So Nathan, uh, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Okay. So let's start out with kind of, in your experience, how have you been able to sort of balance that school life uh, how to make it work between that balance of school and life because PT school is very rigorous. So what advice do you have for the DPT students listening today on how to keep yourself sane while you're going through the program? Right. Um, yeah, I think it was kind of, it was an evolution definitely. I, when I first came into school, I remember spending six to eight hours in the library at a time and kind of spending all my time studying and that was anatomy and all those courses that are pretty important. So I think that it's important definitely to put the time in in the beginning to do those. But uh, as far as maintaining a, a pretty active social life and, and being able to, to do these things uh, on my bike that I do, I kind of, um, I think that time management is, is one of the most important things that you can do. You want to wake up and kind of plan your schedule daily, weekly, whatever works for you. Uh, if you have to write it down, that's, that's, that's what you have to do. I, I personally just wake up in the morning and um, kind of plan it out in my head. I like that 
that there's some fluidity to it. I can change it around if I need to. I know what I have to get done in the day, but if I want to change something, you know, something comes up that I want to do, I have that, that flexibility. It's not written down in stone on a piece of paper. Um, you know, there are times where you're not going to be able to do that in PT school. You have to sit down and study for finals. You have to, to put the work in. So there are times where you, you can't go out. So that's something that you have to accept. Definitely, most of the time, you can get out and, and do the things that you want to do, though, I think, in my experience. Um, it's important, definitely, to, you know, when, you're, when you are studying so that you can get out, you don't want to waste your time at all. You know, go to the library and get on Facebook. Go to the library, study, put in the time for a couple hours. And if you're, if you're diligent and you're studying for two hours, three hours, I think that you'll be fine. And, you know, I think it's something TJ said last week, and it was like that sort of feeling of FOMO, the fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. So how do you sort of rectify that feeling? Um, I mean, and listen, you're in New York City. I think it's every, every college is different. But I think in New York City, where there's so much at your fingertips, you know, how do you sort of come to terms with the fact that you know, there are times where you may be missing out because you have to study, because you have to be in a lab or you're, you know, what have you. So how do you sort of rectify that with yourself? New York City is definitely uh, different. I went to, did my undergrad at Ohio State, so it's a big mm -hmm. campus and, you know, kind of in a big city, but you definitely do have the, the fear of missing out in New York. There's all kinds of things going on all the time. Um, I guess, you know, you're, you're in school to go to school. So you have to realize that's your number one priority, regardless of what you might want to do. You're going to have to miss some things. That's just life. Um, you, know, you have to learn to accept that, I think, to, to get through life in general. You can't do everything that you want to do. Um, but you can do most of it, I think. And how about fitting in? Because um, as physical therapists, obviously, we're sort of in an active profession. And... How do you keep yourself fit? How do you fit in exercise and things like that? Because I find for me, it's a huge stress reliever. And without it, you know, there is that, or whether it be working out or finding a hobby or what have you, as a way of stress relief and also as a way to kind of avoid the burnout of constant studying. So what's your best advice for someone who may come to you and say, listen, I don't have any time to work out, which, I, you know... FYI, you're going to hear this a lot when you're a physical therapist because your patients are going to come to you and they're going to say, I have no time to do my exercises. I had no time. So what, what can you say to PT students now, keeping in mind that you may be repeating this in the future when you're a working therapist? I can definitely agree that it's, uh, exercise is a good stress reliever. I find for myself as well that when I I'm exercising, I'm able to kind of get more done. I go out and I ride my bike and then I can study and I feel good about myself and I, my schedule is just, my time management's a lot better when I do exercise. Mm -hmm. um, I can relate to not having enough time to exercise as well, not so much in school. When I was on my clinical, I was in Ohio and I was commuting about three hours. One back way? Back and forth each day. Each day, back and forth, total, three hours. It's a long About time. an hour and a half, hour, ten minutes mm -hmm. each way. Um, and wow. I definitely did not have time. I didn't want to, I didn't feel like doing anything after that. I was in the clinic for eight, nine, ten hours on top of, you know, five hours to 
to commute and eat and get ready, things like that. Right. Um, so I definitely didn't feel like exercising at that point in my life. And I think that there are times in life where you, you really can exercise. Most of the time I think you can, though, and I think that it will make you a lot less stressed and your time management will be better because you know that you have to, to get that exercise in and do the other things that you need to do. Now, like I said a little earlier, I was uh, from January through August of last year, I was riding my bike 10 to 15 hours a week, which I think is probably the most that I could really ride and mm-hmm. get away with it, mm-hmm. which is a lot more than you know, going to the gym an hour every day even. It's, sure. it's almost double that uh, weekly. So it's definitely possible. Yeah. You just have to like, go back to my first point, manage your time. Exactly. Use your, your time when you're studying to study. Exactly. And um, I think also like what I find that helps me because, you know, even as a PT, you have a busy work schedule. I always find that like I literally have to write it into my schedule, like go to the gym or, you know, a workout. And I will make sure to not schedule a patient during that time because I think it's so important to have, even if it's a half an hour a day, and even if you have to put it on your calendar, like nine o'clock at night, I'm going to sit and do nothing for 30 minutes. You know, I think it's so important. And, and I find that if it's on my calendar, I do it. If it's not, right. then I don't. And, and so I always find like, as far as advice on, on how people can incorporate, whether it be working out a hobby or, or something to take the stress level down and, and help to reduce the possibility of burnout is if you kind of put it on your calendar, you're sort of making the commitment to yourself to take care of yourself. So I think that's very important. The most hours that I rode last year, I just remembered, was during one of our finals weeks. Yeah. So So you put in the work early on in the semester, you can kind of get away with that. And you're not as stressed as everybody else that's in the library all day. That's true. All night. And as a result, I would think that maybe you may do better on your exams. Yeah, you're, you're nice and rested and healthy feeling and your mind is a little clearer. <clears throat> exactly. So, so you, we've covered sort of uh, social life, working out. How about networking? Obviously, I know when I was a student, I, I could have cared less about networking. Um, I but, feel that a lot of my classmates feel the same way. Yeah, yeah but now... Now, don't forget, when I was in school, and I said this to TJ last week, which I guess is dating me, but there was no Twitter, there was no (laughs) Facebook. So, like, if you went to the library, like, you had to study because there were no other distractions. Right. You know? You didn't get on the computer and start, like, you know, wandering through Facebook and Twitter land because they didn't exist. So, now that you have this social media platform and networking has become global, how important do you feel that is for the, the uh, present-day student? It's very important. I think that everybody needs to be on Twitter. I think that's probably the number one place to be, be on Twitter and check it regularly. That's, how, mm-hmm. that's why I'm doing this interview right now, mm-hmm. um, actually. That's true. The listeners are not aware of that. Um, I think that's hands down the best kind of all-in-one app for news networking and marketing mm-hmm. uh, that exists. It's pretty quick and dirty. You can I've connected with so many PTs, PT students through that platform, um, and leapfrogging off of that. There's kind of there's this thing that just got started recently within the last few months. Um, it's branching out all the time called PT Pub Night. Yep. And I joined TJ at his in New Jersey last night, 
Oh, you and did? that was a good time. So we took kind of the Twitter into the real world. Mm -hmm. um, I got to meet him for the first time. I met a bunch of PTs in New Jersey, kind of networked with them a little bit. You know, had a, had a few beers, um, got to socialize a little bit, meet some people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people that you might get a job for in the future, something right. like that. Um, right. And people just that do be, kind of different things in PT. Yeah. And to be clear, um, the PT Pub Night, which is ptpubnight.com. Is yeah, happening in at PT Pub Night at PT uh, Pub Night on, on Twitter. Twitter is mm -hmm. all over the country, and I think it's important for uh, students to know that it's not just working PTs that right. are going to these PT Pub Nights, but that if you're a student, I would think it would be very encouraged for you to go and start to meet different PTs. And and it's obviously it's not all PT talk all night. I don't know. I've never been to one. Not at um, all. You will come on Thursday, though, right? Uh, there's one on Thursday, right? <laughs> in here. So if you're in the New York City uh, metro area, there's a PT pub night Thursday at, it's like down in the village, right? Yeah, it's at uh, GMT Tavern at the corner of Bleecker and LaGuardia, mm -hmm. uh, starting at 7, and right. we'll run until people leave. Great, great. So if you're in the New York City metro area, certainly come down for the PT pub night, which I will, I think I can go. I don't think I have any patience, so I think I can make it. Um, uh, so I know there was a PT pub night in October, correct? Or November? Yeah, that last ended year? up just October. Yeah, that ended up just being me. Oh no! Uh, I, I planned it a little late in advance, but okay. uh, yeah, I got this one out enough. There's we already have like thirteen or fourteen people <laughs> RSVP, so it should be a decent turnout. Great. And so the one that you went to in New Jersey, what can people expect if they go to a PT pub night? Um, you know, it was, I kind of got there about, about an hour late, so I don't know what happened the first hour, but mm -hmm. obviously you're having a, a few beers. That's the whole point of the thing. Um, you know, kind of get together over a drink or two. And just to have a bit of a more relaxed atmosphere. Talk about, talk about PT things, talk about, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's definitely not all PT. I, we rarely talk about PT, you know, maybe 20%, 30% of the time, but okay. you just kind of get to meet some other people and you know if you have a question about PT there's probably somebody there that could be a good resource answer. for you. Great. So, you know, again, when you're in I wish these things existed when I was in PT school. I feel like when I was in PT school because this these social media platforms did not exist, mm -hmm. um when you were going to school, it was very insular. You know, you just kind of had the the your PT class and maybe the class above and the class below, and that was it. You know, there would have was... had to mail out invitations for uh, yes, and you'd have to like mail. take a pen and paper <laughs> and actually write out an invitation. Um, therefore, it just wasn't a very common, a very common occurrence that you would get together with a bunch of PTs outside of going to like a combined sections meeting or a national, uh, national sort of conference. Um, right. And that being said, I think most DPT students who are probably listening to this are probably already aware, but the CSM meeting is taking place February 3rd through the 7th in Las Vegas. Um, are you going to the CSM? I am. I will be there. All right. We're also going to do a PT pub night out there. Somebody's organizing it, I believe. Oh, nice. That's going to be a big PT pub night. <laughs> I hope you've got a big pub. Um, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so, they, which uh, is, which is right. great. I don't know who's organizing it, but they probably do. And I mean, I think the fact that people like you and TJ and students are sort of taking the initiative to kind of show up and help advocate for the 
profession is really, really important. You know, these were things that just weren't done even 10 years ago. Right. You know, so I think it's, and, you know, TJ talked about this last week about how important it is for DPT students to kind of use their voice and be advocates for their soon-to-be profession. And, yeah, I, and I'm sure, which I'm sure you agree. I think that gets forgotten a lot because you're, you're spending so much time studying. You don't really think about the issues that are going to face you right. when yeah. you graduate. Um, exactly. And definitely having a network when you graduate, I think, is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of graduating, so what happens to a lot of students upon graduation, and it happened to me, is we unfortunately have some major loan repayments that have right. to, that they just they have to be done. Um, I had loan repayments. I was lucky enough that I was able to pay my loans off about three or four years early. So I, I forget something like that. Um, okay. But what is your personal take on sort of student loan repayments? And, I think and that do you have any, any advice for? students, maybe some resources they can check out. I'll preface this by saying that I'm in no way, shape, or form qualified to talk about financial things in like a, of course a, uh, As, in and, an official manner, but neither am I. These are my own, my own, yes, your own opinions on take. things. Um, you know, so I think that personally for myself, when I graduate, I'm going to still live in New York. So obviously my rent's going to be high. My living expenses are going to be high, <laughs> but I view it as regardless of how high that is, I think I'm still going to be living on more money than I'm living on now. Um, even while paying back, paying rents, paying back loans monthly, I think that I'll still have a nice chunk um, to do things, to do the things that I like to do. I don't try not to spend too much money um, anyway, but you know, so I think that's important to not kind of get in over your head and start just buying things because just because you have money, you know, wait a few years, wait until your loans are paid off, try to pay them back and. I'm going to try to pay them back within five to ten years. Mm -hmm. Harder if you have a family. Um, yes. Obviously, you're going to be paying back your loans a little bit longer if you have other people to support. But if you're single, I don't think there's any reason to, to go out and just you know, buy like a new car, a new house, all these things when you, you don't have, really have the money True. to do so if you have a lot of loans like I do. Yes, Columbia is not cheap. Not at all. <laughs> Columbia is not cheap. Um, how about, it's really not. Um, how about, do you have any um, maybe uh, programs or links or things that maybe some students can take a look at as far as options to help with loan repayment? Yes, yeah, so there's some various programs out there right now. The, the best one is obviously you know, the one that we're not currently eligible for um, as PTs. And I think that that's you know, kind of kind of like a slap in the face. We need to, to get out there and advocate for that definitely and try to get it, um, you know, try to get that accepted onto that one. That's the uh, NHSC, which is basically a program for loan repayment for serving in underserved areas. Okay. Um, so the current thing that they have right now is kind of thirty to $50,000 a year for a two-year commitment. And mm -hmm. you can do, that's for full-time. You can do half-time as well, 20 hours a week. Mm -hmm. It's just half the amount that you get, so it's a, it's a decent chunk of change. Okay, and we're not on that one yet. As of now. Yet, yes, right. but I know that's something that um, we're certainly advocating for within, um, like, lobbying within the government. So right, 
So hopefully um, that's something that will happen soon. And and just to be clear, an underserved area does not mean that you're in the middle of nowhere. I don't I don't want to say a specific state, but in the middle of nowhere. Like an right, under an underserved area is like Washington Heights in New York City. Yeah. You yeah, know, so I think Bronx it's or, or the Bronx, yeah. So I think it's important for people to know that an underserved area doesn't mean that you're going to be like out in the middle of nowhere. It just means that you're in an area where there aren't a lot of physical therapy services. So right. and if, if students are going to advocate for one thing, I think that this is an important thing mm -hmm. to advocate because it's directly affecting you as a student. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, so if you don't care about anything else, like this is the one thing that you should probably care about. Yes. Because uh, it yes. gives you a lot of money when you graduate if you get accepted into the program. Right, right. Uh, some other kind of things that they have that I just I looked on the APTA's website so you can go on there and look into this stuff more, look it up on your own. Um, just the programs that they have listed, there's an income-based repayment program. So if you're not making enough income to cover your loans and live, um, then you're going to only be responsible for paying about 15% of your monthly income. And then after 25 years, if there's any balance on the loan that's forgiven. Okay. Um, you know, so you're not kind of falling off a cliff of debt. Sure, um, sure. If you can't pay back the loan. There's the, the public service loan forgiveness, which is kind of similar to, uh, a little bit similar to the other one, the NHSC. Um, this is if you're working in public service, so there's some government settings, nonprofit or public health organizations. Mm -hmm. um, that can take advantage of that, and I, that one's you pay, you pay your loan payments for ten years, your regular loan payments, and then if you have ten years in the public service domain, then at that point they'll forgive the rest of your loans. Oh, that's nice. So if that's okay. something that you're interested in working in, definitely something to look into there. Okay. Um, there's the the NIH, the National Institute of Health. They have a program as well. Um, if you're interested in research, it says that qualified therapists or physical therapists. That are participating in research are eligible for up to $35,000 of oh, that's nice. student loan repayment per year. Uh -huh. Yes. Very nice. So for the, those, uh, those students out there that are interested in research, that's something to look into. Mm -hmm. um, there's also the Indian Health Service, which is kind of, you know, that's going to end up being more rural, rural in more places, in most mm -hmm. places. So it's like Alaska, Arizona, um, you know, New Mexico kind of where the Indian reservations are. Okay. Mostly is where you're going to be with those. Uh, but they offer up to $20,000 a year, and it's a two-year commitment on that one as well. And I, I've personally looked into this a little bit. You can, you can renew. With all these, I think you can renew after the two years, and okay. you can get another $20,000 um, for every year. And for that, so uh, are you working on an Indian reservation? Is that the deal? I believe so, yeah. Okay. So you, you're contracted to work for the Indian okay. Health Service. Okay. And um, I yeah, I don't think they're all on a reservation. Some just, of them might you're just outside serving the that population, right? Okay, right. Um, that's I know they they preference um, kind of people of Native American descent for that one Makes as sense. well. Yeah. Um, last one that I saw on there is the faculty faculty loan repayment. So this is for um, for physical therapists from disadvantaged backgrounds, and mm -hmm. they offer up to forty thousand dollars. Of student loan assistance, and that's for in return for two years um, of service at an approved health professions institution. Okay. Um, as a faculty member. Okay, great. 
So, I mean, these are all really some great options for um, all of you DPT students out there that are wondering how you're going to repay your loans. Um, if you do not qualify for, you do not get into these programs, you know, I agree with, with you, Nathan, in saying, like, you just have to make sure that, and it's hard in this day and age, to not spend beyond your means, um, especially when you, I think... Especially I think, in New York. Especially yeah. in New York, but I think especially in, like, large metropolitan areas. But, you know, like you're in New York, you walk down the street. I mean, I'm, I'm a girl, obviously, but, you know, there's like shops everywhere. So you walk like, oh, that's cute. And then next thing you know, you know, you spent like, I don't know, money you don't have on things you probably don't need. Right. So I do the same thing with food. Yeah, exactly. You know, you go into Whole Foods, next thing you know, you spent like $150 on like vegetables, <laughs> you know, which, yeah. which is, it can actually happen for those people who do not have a Whole Foods by them. That is very possible. Um, okay, so um, let's move on to, I know another thing that a lot of students were interested in, and even when I did that conference and done a lot of shows on this, and that is um, being able, and a lot of students now, I think now more so than ever, are really interested in becoming their own boss. Am I, I think I'm right in saying that, right? Um, I think a lot of students, like, well, just from what I see on Twitter and things like that, a lot of people are really, at some point in time, perhaps interested in opening up a, their own practice or, or um, you know, kind of going into uh, practice for themselves. And I get a lot of right. questions on that sort of shift from an insurance-based to a cash-based business, which for a plethora of reasons within our healthcare system, that seems to be an, an interesting take on physical therapy. Right. So I know we're going to kind of flip it a little bit because I know that you might, you had sent me some questions as far as, because that's what, what I do is I have my own uh, private practice. I do a, in the form of a home health practice here in New York City. Um, I know Dr. Jared Carter has his practice in Austin, Texas. I think Ann Wendell has a practice in Virginia, and they're all ca cash-based practices, meaning that you're just not taking insurance or you're out of network for insurance. So right. I guess my question for you is, you know, what would you and perhaps your fellow students like to know about that model? And, you know, is that something that you feel like students are interested in? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just want to make one more point before yeah. we kind of transition over sure, into this. Sure. So we're going to jump back to, to kind of loans and yeah, yeah, yeah. finances and things like that. I think that it's important, especially for younger students like myself who just went straight through from undergrad um, to think about, you know, this is far off and you, this is something that a lot of people don't think about, I think, but to definitely think about saving for beginning to save for retirement yes. as soon as you, as soon as you graduate while you're paying back your loans and all yes. this other stuff. Because if you delay that, um, there've been many studies that have been done that show people who start saving at 25 compared to those who delay it for 10 years and start paying at 35, the people that started at 25 have twice the amount of money at retirement than the people who delayed it 10 years. So you think 10 years is not a big deal, but it's actually an enormous it's an deal and the yes. total amount of money that you're going to have when you retire. Yes, excellent point. And you know, if you start working as most uh, fresh out of college 
uh, physical therapists do. You're going to be working in a clinic or a hospital or something like that. And most places have 401k plans. Right. Do it. Buy into it. Buy into it immediately. Immediately. Um, because you will be shocked, like you said, in 10 years how much money, hopefully, depending on market fluctuations and whatnot, right. how much money you will have even by the age of 35, you know, and, yeah. and I think another important thing is getting a, a good sound financial advisor. And a lot of times the director of your 401k will be your financial advisor. Uh, if you don't like them, it is okay to change, you know, get recommendations from parents or from, you know, friends or things like that. But, um, I think having a very smart financial advisor makes a huge, huge difference. Definitely. Because, you know, it's not like you're going to be day trading, you know, and kind of knowing where to put all of your money when you're treating patients for eight to 10 hours a day. Right. It's a lot of work, definitely. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And, you know, you want to do what's in your wheelhouse. And if it's not in your wheelhouse, then source it out. Defer. Yep, definitely. Always. Good advice. Um, Always. All right, so we'll go back, yes. back to, to you and the... So you want to introduce the topic again? Or? Yeah. So let's go back to, because I know this is something I said that, you know, you had brought up as we were sort of collaborating on this episode. Um, and some questions on, uh, for people who might be interested in learning about, I guess, a cash-based business, cash-based meaning you just don't take insurance. Um, so we'll sort of flip the switch a little bit and... I'll have you kind of ask me some things that you and maybe your fellow students would, would really like to know as far as advice and things like that. All right. Um, I guess let's just start off with kind of the course that you took after you came out of school. Okay. Um, what did you do first and then when did you get into the, the practice yourself? Right. So when I first graduated from college, I worked in a hospital for like a year and a half in, in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And then I moved to New York City and started working in a gym, and I sort of saw all these personal trainers would kind of be with their clients in the gym, and then everyone was sort of doing stuff on the side and seeing patients in their homes. And I thought to myself, okay. well, if a personal trainer can do that, then why can't a PT do that? And so that's kind of how I started. I would just see like one or two people after work. I'd right. have one or two patients that I would see a couple times a week after Work. So I was working full-time in an outpatient clinic, 40 hours a week, and then after or, or before, depending on my hours, I would see patients um, on my own in their homes that was strictly cash-based. So I was not taking any insurance, the, I would, and I still do the same thing. Okay. The, they will pay me, and then I give them the paperwork necessary to turn into their insurance company. And okay, and they, they, get the re they file a reimbursement on their end. Correct. They file the reimbursement on their end, and then they get the money. So it's sort of like you, I give them all the paperwork, and then my sort of involvement on that aspect of it is done, unless the insurance company, obviously, if they need notes and things like that, I supply that to them. Right. And, and I think that... Yeah, go ahead. That's kind of an important distinction, because like when you hear cash-based practice, um, for me, I think you think that the patients are just paying cash out of pocket. So they're, these are all like rich patients and they're, yeah. but they are getting reimbursed on the back end. Um, yes. So yes. That's an important point. Yes. For the most part, they're getting reimbursed. I think 
I mean, different insurance companies do things differently, but yes, I've really never had a problem where someone was like, I didn't get any money back. You know, it may not be, they may not get 80% back, but for the most part, my patients are getting reimbursed and they're very happy with it. You know, and in New York City, you do have, another thing that's important is you do have people with some disposable income who can pay you regardless of whether they get reimbursed or not. Definitely. So I think depending on where you live, you just have to price accordingly, you know, and, and people will, will pay for good quality service. So if you're showing them good quality service and you're showing that you care about them and that, you know, you're, you're doing things to make their life easier, then people are more than happy to, to be, you'd be surprised. People are more than happy to pay out of pocket. Um, for That's your services. A, definitely important if you're going to open a practice, I think you need to concentrate on providing the best care that you can. Exactly. Um, exactly. So that your patients are happy with you and you know, that will help your business grow as well through word of mouth. Exactly. Um, and I guess I transitioned from sort of doing 40 hours a week and then I went down to 20 hours a week in a clinic and then it went down to 16, then 12, then 8. And mm-hmm. that was probably over the course of seven years. Okay. So I slowly built up my practice on the right. side. And through word of mouth and, and physician referrals and things like that, I was able to finally stop working at a clinic eight hours a week, which sounds crazy, but it was actually like <laughs> too much. Um, so now I just do full time um, with my own practice and seeing patients in their homes. And I I remember I had a a student ask me once, like, well, you know, I just graduated last year and I'm going to, I'm thinking of just doing exactly what you do, kind of opening a cash-based business. And, and I would definitely caution students against doing that. I think it's super important to get, I mean, I say at least three, at least three years under your belt working with some really good physical therapists. Because when you're in a cash-based practice, it's just you at least initially, it's just you. You don't have that person to bounce ideas off of and things like that. So I think you get some years of experience with really good PTs. Maybe you do a fellowship um, program or something like that or a residency program to really help hone your differential Mm -hmm. diagnosis skills because you you will not have that other person that maybe has more experience to bounce ideas off of. So, I mean, right. that's in my opinion, I, th- I would even say five years of, of really working within a clinic or with people or a residency or something before you right. kind of go out on your own. And in this world of everything has to happen right away, I think it ta- it's yeah. like an exercise in patience to be able to do that. But if you do, I think that goes along with providing the best care for your patients. Yeah, definitely. Hey, if you want to be your own boss, I think it's kind of hard to work for, for somebody. Yeah. But at the same time, the, the mentorship coming out of school is pretty important. Yes. And, and, and because... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to no, say, we spoke, we spoke kind of at length about that last week, about the importance of mentorship. So it's super right. important. Um, yeah, so check out the last week's show as well. Yes. Um, we will... Let's see. So since you run a home-based uh, kind of thing, you don't really have an initial investment to really... Nope. To get the business up and running, not like significant at least. No, nothing. 
So that's good. Now, if you have like a brick and mortar practice, obviously you're talking about renting space and things like that. But I think something important to remember is you don't really need to rent a big space, number one. Number two, you probably, you don't need a really a full-time front staff because you're not taking insurance. Right. So you don't have to have um, a full-time kind of front staff either. Right. So, you uh, know, I think that's important. But I know my sort of biggest expense is my Metro card. At $112 a month is my monthly unlimited ride Metro card. And that's probably my biggest expense. It's probably a slight annoyance as well, having to, to ride the train all over the city. You know something? I, it's in my, I think it's, you probably, or do you cluster it? I cluster them all together, but I think I have a much easier time than people have to get in their car and drive around all day. That's true. You know, because if, if you're clustering. Yeah, and, and at least if I'm on the bus or I'm on the subway... I'm, I am also a DPT student, so I am going to school now getting my DPT. So okay. I do my homework while I'm on the bus and on the subway. Right. So yeah, I know that was the if I had frustration to, I had when I was driving back to clinic every day. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, and when, you're in the, when you can take public transportation, it's sort of that time that I dedicate to reading articles and like literally doing my homework because I am getting my DPT. I will not be done till 2015. So me too. And you're, uh, you're paying $112 a month versus, you know, if you were driving and having a card, probably the expense for that would be gas would be much, much higher. So, Four you times know, that, five times that easily. So, you know, yes, I, I mean, I didn't really have an initial investment to put down in it. And, and also my right. practice grew kind of organically. It just sort of started and then just kind of kept going. So I never yeah. really had to think, what am I going to do if I don't have any patients? Because I, and it's, this sounds kind of crazy, but usually if I feel like I'm getting a little stressed out, I just kind of put it out into the universe that like, God, I'd really love like one or two more patients. And without fail, it always happens. So I know that sounds a little kind of out there, but I think if you're kind of putting it out there and putting that energy out there, that it's going to come back to you. So, and that's right. kind of the way I've sort of run my practice is just, I just kind of put it out there and then right. it just keeps coming back, back to me in a very positive way. So, yeah. Now, what kinds of things do you do to market? Is it just word of mouth? Do you, do you have print ads or anything like that? Nope. No, I don't really do any marketing. I'm probably the worst person to ask these questions to, huh? <laughs> um, it's a lot of it is word of mouth, um, and in New York City, word of mouth is huge right. because <clears throat> you know one patient tells a friend to a friend to a friend, and next thing you know, you know you've got all these great patients, and um, you're just I so word of mouth is my number one. Um, I do things like, net, I do network with other fitness professionals, so yoga instructors, okay. Pilates, personal trainers. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So I do get a lot of referrals from them and a couple of doctors that I've become friends with over the years. So that's okay. where I get most of my patients from. I think that that point kind of opens the door for people um, who don't think that they have much of a, a business sense, I guess. You know, you don't really need to do a lot of marketing and things like that nope. to have a successful practice. Nope, nope. And yeah, you don't need, um, I mean, I feel like I've 
gotten a much better business sense over the years. But when I started, I certainly didn't have a business sense. I mean, I had a PT degree, not a business degree. Um, And so, you know, I, I just did the best that I could. And, you know, when you, the, the best thing you can do, and it all comes back to treating your patients well and doing the best for them that you can. And that's how you're going to get more patients, right. <clears throat> you know, cause nobody is going to be like, Oh my God, my PT sucked. You should go to them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So as long right. as you're, as long as you're kind of being true to yourself and doing the best you can for your patients, that's what's going to kind of help you take off. And, and, you know, you can do things like, I guess you can have your patients put things up on Yelp and things like that. Right. Um, have yeah. a presence on social media, that sort of stuff. Because you never know, like, one of your friends, like I had a friend's cousin's boyfriend needed PT. Okay. So my whole thing is every time I meet someone – they're always, if they're not a potential patient, someone they know might be. There you go. So and that goes back to having the social life outside of PT school. Exactly. If this is something to get into, definitely. Exactly. So it kind of all ties back. So if you can, in PT school, be able to have that work-life balance, it's going to, I think, make you a better PT in the long run. Right. Definitely. Because you have uh, to kind of put yourself out there and you have to be comfortable meeting other people and, you know be comfortable kind of talking about what you do in, right. I think, a very positive and non-salesy way. Right. But, and, and even if you're like out and, because this is what happens every single time. Once you graduate and you say to someone, you meet someone in a bar, oh, what do you do on PT? Really? I have this thing. Everybody's always got a thing, you know. It's a painful back or a knee or a wrist or an elbow. No, right. I would say nine times out of ten. Someone always says to me, I've got a thing. And instead of just kind of rolling your eyes or thinking to yourself, man, I'm not even on the clock, hear them out. You know, I I never give any specific advice. Right. But I will tell them, what I do is talk about the benefits physical therapy may have for them without giving any specific advice. And a lot of times, like, that's how I've gotten patients. Yeah. A good good strategy, definitely. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so as far as, as marketing and things like that, my marketing has been very minimal. I know Jared Carter does a lot, talks a lot about um, marketing to different groups in your community, you know, which is, I think, uh, a very smart way to go. But before you even talk about your marketing, I think you have to really think about who do you want to work with. So if you're right. thinking about starting your own business, that's another reason why you want to have all that experience under your belt, that three to five years, because you want to find out, like, maybe you thought when you graduated, you wanted to work with athletes and you start working with athletes and you're like, man, I do not like any of these people. <laughs> and maybe Definitely. you'd rather work with pediatrics. Maybe you'd rather work in geriatrics. And so I think before you think about um, having your own business, you really have to have a very clear, clear vision of the person you want most to work with. So who is going, when you go to work, who is going to make you happiest being their patient? Right. That's another reason to to get the experience coming out of school. Mm -hmm. Not only so you work on your patient handling skills, differential diagnosis skills, but so you are sure that you know what you want to do before you invest a lot of time and effort and potentially money into a practice. 
Right. So once you know who that ideal person is that you want, your ideal patient, then you can start marketing to people who may be your ideal patient. So yeah. if your ideal patient is a triathlete, then you're going to want to seek out running clubs and triathlete clubs in your area. Right. You want to maybe do free seminars for people. You know, do a free workout class. Sponsor, a, be a sponsor at a triathlon. You know, if, if your ideal patient is, you know, I don't know, stay-at-home moms or moms in general, maybe you want to go to like a mommy and me class, you know, maybe you want to contact specific doctors in your area who are, you know, gynecologists, things like that, who are treating that population. So once right. you know who it is, is going to make your working life the happiest it can be, then you start your marketing, then you think about marketing. Yeah, so I think that we're kind of running close on time. We are. We've got about 30, um, 30 40 seconds left. So, so this last question um, yeah. concerning that, uh, if somebody is interested in opening up their own practice and wants a good resource, um, you know, what would they – you could be a resource maybe I mean, I would say I would say go onto the APTA's website. They do have resources on that. Okay. Um, check out uh, drjaredcarter.com. He's a fabulous resource. He's got so much information on his website and on his blog. Okay. Um, and I got a lot of my business sense and, and ideas of how to run a more successful business um, by signing up for a, I think it was like a six-week online business course through Marie Forleo. Okay. Um, and she's, she's very good. She gives you like very easy exercises to do and what it does is really kind of sharpens your mind on exactly what you want to be the happiest you can be. And that's marieforleo.com, M-A-R-I-E-F-O-R-L-E-O.com. And she's also on Twitter and Facebook and things like that, so you can find her there as well. So they're okay. the resources that I look. But, you know, APTA.org is a great resource. And you can go on there and find tons of stuff. So Definitely. Yeah, so, um, my, so now my question for you is, what are sort of the key points that you really want uh, students to take away from today? Um, okay, so today, you know, kind of figure out what it is that you enjoy doing and make time to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that, for me, that's cycling, that's socializing, meeting new people in New York. Um, I find time to do that. Find time to do it. Don't spend all of your time studying. You will get by. You will do fine. Mm -hmm. um, join Twitter. Go to PT Pub tonight. Mm -hmm. um, try to be involved with the APTA. I think TJ talked about that a lot yeah. last week. So listen to that one. He'll tell you a lot more than I can about that. Uh -huh. But you know, whatever whatever that is, um, whatever capacity you can can be involved, be involved. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that you know those are the the big main points. Great. And what is what is your to, Twitter to handle? So if people want to start following you and chat with you on Twitter, what is your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at Nathan Dugan, um, N-A-T-H-A-N-D-U-G-A-N. Great. So if anybody wants to ask Nathan more questions, log on to Twitter and ask away. And just one more time, if you want to be uh, in the MedBridge contest for a one-year student membership to MedBridge, email me, Karen, at HealthyWealthySmart.com by Friday the 31st. I will pick a winner by the first. And thank you, Nathan, for coming on today. Great, uh, great talk. And everyone, thanks for tuning in and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.